And now, make some noise for your host, at center frame, at six foot three and 220 pounds, the one, the only, Gideon T. Mars. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the show. This is Take the Charge. I am Gideon Demars. And before we get into what Ever is going all throughout the NBA because it has been a hectic week for the NBA. Make sure you check out our social medias. That is underscore take the charge underscore. That's for Twitter and Instagram. Take the charge on Facebook. Make sure you give the page a like and make sure you subscribe. Smash the like button. Smash the subscribe button on YouTube. And check us out where all podcasts can be found. SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, you know, the the whole shebang. So, we're going to get right into this. Because the draft was on Thursday, and what a draft it was with all the intensity, all this built-up angst. We had a very fun draft with a lot of fun trades, a lot of fun moves, but before we get into all the trades and all the moves and all the fun shit else that happened, we have to talk about who wins and who loses the draft, and it's always one of those things that is a fun time to get into. So the first winner we have of the 2021 NBA draft is the number one team who picked overall the Detroit Pistons. You know, they get Cade Cunningham, Cade Cunningham, who's a 6'8", six, eight, six, eight playmaker with excellent shot making and passing ability, has long been the favorite to go to the Pistons. He could also be on the draft's best defenders. Pairing him with Killian Hayes makes a natural balance on both offense and defense. Detroit now has two large switchable guards who can make plays on offense and defense. Cunningham has the skills to be a great player in this league. He had the lowest floor and one of the highest ceilings out of this draft. And to be quite honest, I loved him. I loved his competitiveness at Oklahoma State, and I think the Pistons getting him. And you know what? I'm going to throw the Pistons another lob here because they went and took Luka Garza, who was just a good value pick late in the second round. He's the National College Player of the Year, and I don't know if he's going to be a great NBA player, but I like that they took a flyer nonetheless. The Pistons win the draft because they got their guy. They got Cade. And Cade is going to be an excellent NBA player. And he's going to bring them a lot of eyes. This is going to be a very fun league pass team, the Pistons. Uh, Second team that I have as a winner, it's the Cavs. Yes, they finally did the right thing and took the right guy. They didn't worry about taking a guard at three. They didn't trade out of it and fuck up. What they did was smart. They took Evan fucking Mobley. They took the, I think, someone who has the highest ceiling in this draft. It's either him or Jalen Green. Mobley is a no-brainer selection for the Cavs. At seven feet, he can defend the perimeter like a wing and make an impact as a rim protector on offense. He can pass and score from outside like a guard. His former AAU coach told Mirren Fader from the ringer that Mobley has a chance to be a generational player in the NBA. And I believe that that's true. You're pairing him with Sexton, Garland, Okoro, possibly Jared Allen. He's a restricted um, free agent, so he may or may not be back. Either way, if he's not, you just see more of Mobley. If he is, you play Mobley at the four and have him be a stretch four. 
Either way, Kevin Love is leaving Cleveland. Evan Mobley is starting in this lineup. I don't know how you even get around that. I think he's, I would probably bet on him to be rookie of the year. Him or Jalen Green. Jalen Green's going to have a lot of fun and have a lot of stats. But Evan Mobley, I think, has the absolute highest ceiling. And for the Cavs to just finally take the right fucking person. Don't do anything stupid. Don't fuck this up. Take the guy who is there at three. That's what they did. It's nice. It feels good. Third winner, the Magic. Something fell the right way for the Orlando Magic. The Orlando Magic have not caught a break in any draft for it feels like the last decade. They are, if it's a four-team draft, if it's a four guys, they're always number five. If it's a three-man draft, they're number four. If it's a one-man draft, they're number two. They are always on the outside looking in. Everybody assumed that the Raptors were going to take Jalen Suggs at four. It made sense for the Raptors to take Jalen Suggs at four. It felt like that's the way it was going. The Raptors pull a swerve. They draft Scotty Barnes, and Jalen Suggs falls into the Magic's lap, and you know that they had to have been absolutely stoked for that fall. Like, for Jalen Suggs, and athletic 6'5 guard, uh, something they truly, truly need. Uh, I like RJ Hampton. I like Cole Anthony. I like Markel Fultz. All these guys are good guards, but I think Jalen Suggs comes in and gives this offense, one, it gives the team a face. I think Jalen Suggs could be the face of the franchise. It brings in a true facilitator for all these guys, and you're pairing him with Jonathan Isaacs, who's one of the most freak defenders we have in this league. The Magic win the draft, and not only because of their fifth pick, because of their eighth pick. Franz Wagner out of Michigan. I thought this was a really good draft pick by Orlando. And like, like I said, what a draft by Orlando. After landing Suggs at five, the Magic go for a big man at eight and land a special one. Wagner is an oversized playmaker who measured six foot nine at Michigan, but claims to have grown to nearly six foot eleven since college. That growth spurt only raises his potential. The Magic can utilize him in a variety of roles next to Suggs. Both are unselfish, high IQ players who should fit together perfectly at the next level. These two guys are going to play so well together. Like, this is just a win for the Magic. I actually feel horrible for Steve Clifford. He's one of the the hidden losers out of all this. this is, these are guys that Clifford would have loved to have on his team, and it just truly sucks that he's not going to have a chance to coach these guys because they, what he could have done with them, especially on both sides of the ball, especially defensively. I mean, Steve Clifford misses out on two green chip prospects who are going to be excellent pros. For the fourth winner of the NBA draft, we have the Rockets. They took Jalen Green. And you know what? It was just an all-around good draft. They made a lot of moves. They got a lot of young talent. You know, Jalen brings in a lot more than a Silk Sonic vibe to the Rockets, though. He's the best pure scorer of the draft. He is electric on the offensive end. And for a team that needs everything, you could do a whole lot worse than Jalen Green. He is an absolutely fire prospect. And he's a bona fide hooper. This is not a basketball player. He's a hooper that you can build the offense around and just let go. This is why I think he's probably the favorite to win 
the rookie of the year. I think just watching him play is going to be insane. They are going to fly all over the court in Houston. They're just going to let him take his lumps. Him, Kevin Porter Jr., you know, they nab Alperin Sanguin, who is free-falling out of the lottery at 16. That was a great pick by them as well. Houston at least has somewhat of an identity. They're going to be young. They're going to fly around the court. They don't look like they know if they're going to play defense or not yet, but hopefully these young guys will be able to... I, hopefully they'll be able to mold into good defensive players because right now you just drafted a lot of young offensive talent, but you don't really have like a main defensive stay anchor, I would say. Without that, it's a little rough, but all in all, you have to say the Rockets had a fantastic draft after everything that's happened to them to bring in a guy like Jalen Green and Alperin Sanguin. You're at least acquiring talent. You're not going to be a dud. Your team will be fun to watch. You're going to be a premier team on the league pass. That's all it is. It's great. Last winner of the draft, I have the fucking Charlotte Hornets, who are going to be the most fun team to watch next season. The Hornets were already awesome to watch last season. Um... Their announced team is fucking primo. The Charlotte Hornets announcer, their color guy, is one of the most fun guys to listen to all throughout the NBA. But the team on the court, you now have LaMelo, and you're pairing him with James Bonite, who could easily be the steal of the draft at 11. You scoop up Kai Jones out of Texas at 19. And LaMelo should feast on the plethora of open looks he's going to get in Charlotte. Because from whether it's book night, or whether it's Kai Jones, whether it's Rozier, whether it's Gordon Hayward, whatever it is, LaMelo is going to have so many options. He has such a talented team around him. This Charlotte front office went from being the joke of the league to one of the premier front offices in like two drafts. After LaMelo, they take LaMelo, which was the, the great move, and now the team looks great. It's only going to get better. You have to give Charlotte's front office a lot of credit for what they did in this draft because to get Kai Jones and Book Knight, you brought in two guys who could help you win immediately. I think Book Knight with LaMelo and Terry Rozier and Gordon Hayward and Miles Bridges and P.J. Washington, all of the options that this team has to score is terrifying. This team's going to average 130 points in the regular season next year. Offensively, they are juggernaut. They will, you just, you never, anybody can get you 20 points on this team. That's going to be awesome to watch. I love what Charlotte did. I cannot wait to watch them next season. But now that we're done with the winners, we got to go to the losers. Well, the losers of the uh, the NBA draft, this one's tough. Uh, not not necessarily ideal here, but first comes first, it's the Sixers. I, like you and everybody else, wanted to see a Ben Simmons trade on draft night. I think we have gone way too far on this Ben Simmons thing. I think we have now, we're now acting like Ben Simmons is the plague where, oh, I would never want Ben Simmons on my team. He can't shoot. Like, all right, I understand, but we've gone too far. He's 25 years old. He is one of the best, absolutely not even one of. He is one of the top three defenders in the NBA. He is one of the top five facilitators in the NBA. He has absolutely one of the best 
court visions out of a guard. He's 6'10", damn near 6'11". He can play all five positions. Look, I understand the free throw shooting and the three-point shooting, it hurts. I know people don't like it. I, I understand. I don't know why he's not working on it. These are all good points and fair options. But... We're going too far. Lean, lay back a little bit. Let let Ben Simmons develop. Give him a new situation. Let him stand out somewhere else away from Joel. Because look, let's just be honest. This team was not built for Ben Simmons. This team has no shooting. This team was relying on Ben Simmons being a major producer on offense. And that's just not him. He's better as a second or third option with surrounded by multiple, multiple shooters where he can attack the rim at will and dish out if he needs to. That's the perfect Ben Simmons offense. And the Sixers just were never that, and they were never going to build to be that because this has always been Embiid's team. It is time to trade Ben Simmons. I thought Sacramento was an option. And honestly, from an entertainment standpoint, both for Thursday night and for all of next season, I really wanted to see Ben Simmons get traded. After all, Simmons is under contract for four more years, but there's no coming back at this point. Not from the way Simmons finished the playoffs. He can't go back to Philly. He will be traded. I was hoping it's on draft night. And honest to God, I want to see him in Sacramento. I think the Kings, if you give up, maybe Buddy Heald, maybe throw Davion Mitchell in there, a couple of draft picks. I know what the, the Sixers are asking for. And Ben Simmons. And I know that it's a crazy amount. And I think the the offer to the Warriors was fucking criminal. Daryl Morey should be arrested as a war criminal for the things that he was asking for. Okay? I think it was 7-14, Wiggins, Oubre, Wiseman, and then two future, two future first-round picks. That was all for Ben Simmons. That's never going to happen. They do have to trade him. I know why you're starting the asking price so high. That way, after a while, you kind of whittle it down to where in the middle, where that's where you kind of wanted to be anyways. I know what Daryl Morey's doing. I just fucking wish it would have happened on draft night. Send him to Sacramento. I think him and Buddy, him and De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton would be a really fun team. Maybe not a great team, but a fun team. And at least then he'll get to shine and we'll get to be able to see that Ben Simmons that dropped 42 in Utah. The next loser, and this one, I don't want to say they're a loser because I understand what they're doing. They're building for the future. But when you have a guy like Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and Klay Thompson, you cannot build for the future. You have to build for now. Their window of winning a title is closing. The Warriors are my second loser in the draft. I understand why they drafted Kaminga and Moses Moody. I do. But who, what team executives aren't sure can contribute by open and season opener? They don't even know if these two dudes are going to play at all next season. See, like, league execs are looking at these two guys being like, I don't think they can be on the court for them. Kaminga, one of the most green chip prospects in this draft, has... A crazy high ceiling, but a crazy low floor if you do not fine-tune him the right way. This guy has all the athleticism, but has none of the touch quite yet. I do not know what the Warriors are doing. I know that there were options for a trade with the 7th and 14th pick, with Ubre's contract, and everything else. They did not act upon any of that. 
they did not go to or to the Indiana deal. I know. I think it was Miles Turner, T.J. Warren, and then they would get back. I think it was the seventh and fourteenth. And Kelly Oubre is what it was, or something like that. I like those picks. I think trading for help now would have been the best option if you're the Warriors front office. But I also understand if you're the Warriors, you don't want to just completely kill your future to try to build for now. You want to bring in two guys, Kaminga, like I said, a super high ceiling, super low floor. It just really depends on how you coach him up. Moses Moody, a really good 3 and D scorer. I just don't know if these guys contribute to winning a title this year. And this is the year that this Warriors team, if they were going to come out and just go all in, now would be the time. The West is wide open. We have no idea, and I'll get to that later. Oh, well, I talked about the Sixers and why I said they should trade Ben Simmons to the Kings. The Kings are my last loser for the NBA draft. I don't know what the Kings are doing. I like Davion Mitchell, but the fit in Sacramento makes no sense. You have Halliburton, you have De'Aaron Fox, you're building around De'Aaron Fox, there's no budging on that. Halliburton had to compete for minutes all last season with Fox and Buddy Heald. Halliburton earned his minutes. Mitchell's going to have to do the same thing. Yeah, maybe Buddy Heald gets traded. This just didn't make any sense for the Kings. You have guards. You need everything else. You needed a big guy to replace Rashawn Holmes, who you're probably going to lose in free agency. This just did not make any sense to me. The Kings are always going to be the Kangs. I like Mitchell. I really do. I think he's going to be a fantastic NBA player. I think he's going to be a steal for somebody. I just don't know if the Kings are keeping him for this long. I think there's a trade in the works for this Kings team. Uh, Maybe down the line, I still think they're the favorite to get Ben Simmons just because to get a superstar in Sacramento, you have to trade for him. Well, there is one trade that I have not talked about yet that we absolutely have to get through because it's been the biggest trade of the offseason so far. Free agency starts tomorrow, so things are going to get a little bit crazier as the week goes on. But the Lakers have, yes, traded for Russell Westbrook. Now, I will be honest. I don't love this, but I am going to hold off all judgments on this trade until the roster is completed because I don't know what they're putting around them. Now, what they gave up, they gave up Montrose Harrell, Kyle Kuzma, and Contavious Caldwell-Pope as well as the number two, as the number 22 pick in Thursday's NBA draft, which I think the Wizards somehow traded for Aaron Holiday. So not a terrible get for the Wizards. You know, they bring in a young guy in Kuzma who has decent potential. I know Laker fans wanted to jettison him into the sun after this playoff run. I don't know how much you can put on them. I think Vogel's rotations was pretty whack. Same thing with Montrez. Trez is a six man of the year. You know, I think he's going to eat and eat hard in Washington. He's going to be great there. This is a good trade for Washington. Like, I'm not going to bash the Wizards. I understand why you did it. Westbrook's not getting you over the top. He's not going to bring you anything. I think the Westbrook Beal thing is kind of fun to be like, "Ooh, look, look what we have. We have a fun backcourt." It doesn't. Tra- it's not going to get you to win an NBA title. If you're the Lakers, bringing in Westbrook is one of those fuck it deals. Like that's just what this feels like. This feels like ah, we have to have a superstar. We have to have a superstar. We have to have a superstar. And you went down the line. You were like, well, can we get Beal? No. Can we get Dame? No. Can we get Lowry? Probably not. Somebody else seems to have him on there. 
And so you go down the line and you end on Westbrook. I love Russell Westbrook. I am a Russell Westbrook guy. But the unfortunate thing for this team and this team in particular is there is no spacing on this team whatsoever. There is less spacing on this team than there is in a child-sized shoebox, okay? There's no spacing. They all play the same exact game. And if you're telling me that they're bringing in Westbrook, a notoriously bad three-point shooter, a 30% three-point shooter, his career average is, I think it's 30.3, one of the all-time worst high-volume three-point shooters in league history. If you're telling me they're bringing him in for that, you, I will not buy it. But if you're saying, hey, look, they're bringing in Westbrook for a second facilitator, somebody who can take the ball out of LeBron's hands, who can run the offense for portions, fine. I just need to know what the rest of this roster looks like before I can tell you whether or not this works. Because as of right now, I think there's six guys on the roster for the Lakers. They don't have a whole lot. They're obviously going to have to sign a lot of veteran minimums. And from what it sounds like, they are going to sign a lot of veteran minimum contracts. That being said, though, who are you bringing in? So the guys like DeMar DeRozan, Rudy Gay, Carmelo Anthony, all these guys are to forego higher salary opportunities elsewhere to join the Lakers in a pursuit of a championship. Now, and that's all fun and good, but... Are we sure that team wins the title? Because now if you add DeMar and Rudy Gay and Carmelo, does your spacing get any better? No. Are you better defensively? No. Are you older? You're definitely the oldest roster in the league. I don't know what the fuck the Lakers are doing. I have no idea. I'm going to need to see it on the court before I can tell you if this was good or bad. Because honestly, if I look at paper, and if you, if you look at the paper, and you look at the names, it makes no fucking sense. It just doesn't. And you can't convince me otherwise. So you're telling me, let's say this starting lineup, let's say if they signed DeMar, Rudy Gay, and Carmelo Anthony. Your starting lineup is what? Westbrook, DeMar, LeBron, AD, and Marc Gasol, because AD doesn't want to play the five? Does that sound like a great defensive lineup to you? Because it sounds pretty awful to me. It sounds pretty injury-prone to me, too. Like I said, I need to see the rest of the roster filled out in the best way possible. They need some shooters. They need some defense. They need a lot. So I'm not going to call them title favorites because, quite honestly, I think that that would be disrespectful to the other teams in the West that have been building their own teams. Like, if you look at the Nuggets next year... If Jamal Murray was coming back, you could easily say that they could be the favorites, especially with how Michael Porter Jr. progressed. I don't think you can call the Lakers title favorites. I just don't. I think we need to see this roster all lined up, down on paper, before we can say anything. Because right now, all you have is a lot of old guys all searching for a ring with the oldest guy who I don't I don't know what LeBron's deal is here. I, I don't know. This This... The Lakers roster being this old worries me kind of deeply, if we're being honest. I just, I don't know how this is going to look on paper. I don't know how this is going to look on the court. I have to see it all. I have to see it all. All the cogs. They're talking about bringing back Dwight Howard. I don't know. There's just not enough shooting for me to confidently say this is the favorite to win the title. And I, I love Russ, but 
are we sure Russ and LeBron are going to work together on the same court? That that anger, that that attacking mentality when LeBron's out there who is trying to run an offense. Like, what are we going to do if LeBron's trying to drop a play and Russ just calls for the ball and just runs it? Like, there's so many things with Russ that I love, but the final two minutes of every game with Russell Westbrook are the most frustrating things in any NBA game possible. That first 46 is fantastic, but that last two, it's damn frustrating. So now LeBron's going to have to deal with that. I love AD, but does this make him that much better too? It is up in the air. I have no fucking clue what the Lakers are doing. I would have rather have seen them gone and get Buddy Heald and maybe another shooter from the Kings. I just, the Westbrook thing, you are now handcuffed with the salary cap. Your salary cap is damn near out of control. You can barely add anybody unless they're all on veteran minimums. I I just don't know how you build a roster that way with three guys who are relatively injury prone, you know, especially, and I know the LeBron thing's kind of hit and miss. Well, in the last four seasons, so let's say the last four years he's been in LA. This will be the fourth year he's been in LA. Um, Two out of the last three, he's had a severe injury that almost ruined his season. So he had the groin in 18-19, and then 2021, he had, what was it, a pulled hand, it was a rolled ankle, and that, he struggled with that up until the playoffs, and then AD got hurt. Are they going to be healthy? If they have an aging, decrepit roster, or is anybody going to be healthy? There's just a lot of things on this Lakers roster that I look at and go, ideal way to build a team around LeBron but I get it you know star power is star power all right last segment for the day we are going in free agency starts tomorrow fuck yeah I'm fucking stoked I love free agency we have some big name players up there Kawhi Leonard for the Clippers has a player option that Nobody knows what Kawhi is going to do because Kawhi is a weird fucking guy and doesn't tell anybody what he's going to do. Anyways, you have Chris Paul, who sounds like he's going to sign a three-year, $90 million deal to go back to the Suns. That totally makes sense. Kyle Lowry is unrestricted. I would love to see Kyle Lowry play for the Pelicans. Him and Zion, just fuck it. Zion's out here dunking on people. Kyle Lowry's taking charges. I'm into it. Kyle Lowry is the one person in the NBA that I love more than anybody. He's the person the podcast is named after because that motherfucker takes a charge better than anybody else in the entire goddamn league. We are pro-Kyle Lowry. Wherever Kyle Lowry goes, we'll go too. So hopefully he goes and plays with Zion because that is a best of both worlds for your boy here. Uh, John Collins, restricted free agent for the Hawks. It does sound like they're going to match any offer he gets. They are going to pay him up the ass. He had a fantastic playoffs for the, the Hawks there in Atlanta. Was really good on the offensive glass. Stepped up a lot. You can tell him and Trey, after that weird midseason blowout, fixed their problems. Really happy. Hopefully he goes back to the Hawks. Mike Conley wants to stay with the Jazz. DeMar DeRozan seems to see like he's going to be in L.A. He's going to take a lot less money to be in L.A., if he wins a title for it, good for him. I just, I guess if you watch the way this last playoffs was pay, played, the last NBA Finals, there wasn't a whole lot of three-point shooting. There's a lot of 
getting to the basket, and shooting mid-range shots. This Lakers team would be good at both of those. So maybe, you know, maybe there's something in there if they're bringing in DeMar. Lonzo Ball for the Pelicans. He's unrestricted, or he's restricted. Let me tell you, he's not going back to New Orleans. Fuck that. Lonzo's going to be in Chicago, Boston. This dude's going to get paid up the ass, and he has wants nothing to do with New Orleans. No, I don't know what happened with David Griffin, but he pissed on everybody. He pissed off everybody. He pissed in everybody's Cheerios. He's fucking had it. Lonzo, probably to Chicago would be my assumption. Jared Allen restricted for the Cavs. I don't know what they're going to do with him. Because a part of me, you could probably let him walk because you bring in Mobley. But I would rather put Mobley at the four, replace Kevin Love. Kevin Love, another bot. He's going to get bought out. That's a dude who's going to end up in a Lakers jersey. I would bet my left nut that Kevin Love is in a Lakers jersey by the end of the 21-22 season. Okay? There's no fucking way that motherfucker does not find his way in Cleveland. Or not Cleveland, L.A. He's going to play with LeBron again. It's going to happen. They're already tweeting at each other. Evan Mobley at the four, re-sign Jared Allen and your Cavs. That's their smart move. Dennis Schroeder is talking about getting like $150 million from somebody. I don't know who the fuck's paying Dennis Schroeder that much money, though. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know why you would give him anything over 80. Like, if I can get Chris Ball for three years, $90 million, I am not giving Dennis Schroeder 120 for four. Fuck off. Nope. So I his his price range is skyrocketed for whatever reason. I have no idea. I'd rather have Patty Mills than Dennis Schroeder. Because Patty Mills is killing it in the Olympics. I'm rooting for Australia. I'm not even rooting for USA at this point. Nothing against the USA. I just think Australia is more fun to watch. Them and Slovenia, just because Luke is a one-man wrecking crew. So the teams with the most amount of money to spend in the cap are teams that don't spend a lot of money anyways. You have the Spurs, Knicks, Pelicans, Thunder, Bulls, Heat, Hornets, and Mavs. Uh, Spurs, Knicks, Pelicans, 50 million for the Spurs, 47 for the Knicks, 36 for the Pels, and 36 for the Thunder. I don't know what the Spurs are going to do. I don't know if the Spurs spend any money. But what I do know is their roster is falling apart at the seams. I know the Knicks are going to have to retool and reload because the Knicks are as close to being very good as they are to being very bad again. The Knicks really relied on Randall, Reggie Bullock, and Derrick Rose. I think Bullock and Derrick Rose can walk this offseason. That's two guys you would really like to see them hold on to, especially if they can't upgrade at the guard position, like a guy like Lonzo, a guy like Kyle Lowry, one of these bigger-name point guards to help facilitate for a guy like Julius Randle. If that doesn't happen, you got to get out of there. So you have the Pelicans at three. I think the Pels are easily going to sign Kyle Lowry. This is the most sensible place for Kyle Lowry. I Please, Kyle Lowry, go play with Zion. Extend your career. Play with the freak, the human tank, Zion Williamson. I want to see it more than anything. Anything! Ladies and gentlemen, that's my time. I appreciate everybody checking out the show. As always, check out the social medias, underscore, take the charge, underscore, on both Twitter and Instagram. Make sure you like, share, subscribe on this YouTube channel. Smash the like button, smash that subscribe button. I'm on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes. We are out of here.